You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 40. People think critically if you give them a narrative with a problem. And then they begin to ask the questions within the confines of that narrative, and then they feel comfortable with challenging each other on their assumptions and on their questions and answers. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Local Maximum. 40 episodes. That's pretty cool. I think the podcast seems kind of, you know, much more well-established after 40. You know, when you're sort of at a low number, like six people are like, well, you might not be doing it for a little while. 40, 40 has some staying power. You know, but I think the big jump comes when I get triple digits, which is sometime in 2020 by my calculation, unless I start doing my shows more than once a week. Um which is possible, but not anytime soon. So I'm very happy to give the guest spot on episode 40 to someone who also uh, is a podcaster and who touches on a lot of the same issues with emerging technology that I do. I listened to Charlie's podcast in um, uh, Tech 2025, and I'm like, hey, you know, this is possible. I can make a compelling podcast about all of these topics. Um, can the, quote, public actually be interested in machine learning and AI and blockchain? And can they have intelligent conversations about it? You know, th- th- that was a risk. And um, if Charlie Oliver shows one thing, it is a resounding, you know, yes, yes, these sh- topics should be discussed in the public domain. And in fact, um, if it's only left to experts, they're going to be disconnected from the technology they're creating and the people who are going to be affected by it. Um, and you know, anyone could just say that, but my guest today actually has some very, very innovative ways of getting the public involved in discussing machine learning, AI, big data, and blockchain. And that's what we're going to learn about today. Now, Charlie years, Charlie's years of experience in the trenches of old media include working in advertising in New York at such media goliaths as BBDO Worldwide and Condé Nast, to producing sitcoms and dramas at Sony Pictures Entertainment, Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers, DreamWorks, and Oscar award-winning indie production companies, to event management at the Sundance Film Festival. After spending several years in corporate law and document review at global firms, Charlie segged seamlessly into tech and new media as a web video producer where she co-created and co-produced experimental web video projects. Soon thereafter, Charlie launched Art of Talk TV, a web video platform that brought the world of talk shows online. At Served Fresh Media, Charlie and her team provide digital strategy, senior management advisory, team building and training, strategic partnerships, and product development for companies. In the fall of 2016, Charlie launched Tech 2025, and that's what we're going to talk about today, to educate entrepreneurs and consumers on the next wave of disruptive emerging technologies that are expected to drastically change our world in the next decade. So we're talking you know, AI, machine learning driverless vehicles, she had a great one on that, driverless trucks, uh, Internet of Things, blockchain, and virtual reality, among other topics. And she does this through live events and interactive, interactive workshops with industry experts. The mission of Tech 2025 is to help entrepreneurs and the general public to understand and embrace emerging technologies. Uh, there's also, again, her Tech 2025 podcast, which I recommend you all check out. 
Let's get to it. Okay, Charlie Oliver, welcome to the show. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Oh, God, I love your energy. Thank you for having me. This yeah. is awesome. No, it's great. Welcome to Foursquare, New York City. Exciting. They have new offices. Yeah, and you came, you're... You're based around here in um, Flatiron, right? I am. We just moved to Flatiron a few months ago. Foursquare did? Yeah, we did. We were in Soho until, I think, May, June, somewhere around there. Can I say something? A couple of years ago, I was actually at at that location with Fueled. So I was, oh, yeah, I that worked is out the location, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we maybe we were bumping into each other back then and didn't. I'm sure, in the elevator? Yeah, those elevators were very slow. And I don't know if weird. you remember. <laughs> 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 yeah, there are people getting on and off at every floor. <laughs> that, I think that's a common thing in New York City, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've been doing Tech 2025 podcasts and the organization for how long? I, I Well, it's been almost two years. So we, we technically launched the first event in January 2017. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, generally. Yeah, very, very recently. Yeah. But but it's been two years, but it, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Does it feel shorter or longer? A lot shorter. But the past two <laughs> years have been very eventful. So. I can't, this podcast coming up on almost a year, so it's like, it doesn't <laughs> doesn't feel like that either. It feels like I just started. Does it? So, oh, that's absolutely. A, that's a good sign. Yeah. Um, so what was... Why did you start Tech 2025? What was the purpose behind it? I get tired of hearing myself say this, but I, it's a, it's a well, great. No point. one has heard this on the program. No one has so heard this. <laughs> okay, okay. So you know, I I have a, a company called Surfresh Media, which yeah. does digital media strategy and uh, innovation strategy for primarily for brands, companies. You know, I work with innovation teams, and I've been doing that for about nine years now, and that includes among other things, including like social media marketing and and um, a little bit of PR, uh, innovation strategy, and it also includes event, events marketing as well. And so I've been doing events through that for years and years, uh, tech events, business events. So like meetups or something else? Well, well no, because no? these are these are corporate clients, so, so these events are, con- oh, are see, conferences yeah, and yeah. panels, and like oh, their goal is to, yeah, yeah, bigger, yeah. Gotcha. So, they, so it, uh, my clients are like IBM, and yeah. when they do their big conferences and There's stuff. There's not a whole lot of uh, money in meetups. <laughs> 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 I mean, people do it, they do make a little bit, but it's not, um, No, you know, it's not it's a cash cow. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in 2016, you know, I, I began to hear from my clients sort of a, a reoccurring theme that was coming to me again and again. And one of the questions that I kept get, getting was about AI yeah, in particular. And what is it? And, you know, there was this not only a question about what is AI and what is machine learning, but um, how, you know, how are we ever going to prepare our organizations for? Like, what does this mean? I think intuitively, um, the executives that I dealt with and the C-suite executives in these companies that I've worked with, they they understood that this was a game changer, right? That they would have to do some really kind of serious restructuring and rethinking about how they run their organizations in order to consider even using these technologies. But anyway, I, I kept hearing that. And then two other things happened that was, I think, really huge. Um, one had to do with Eric Schmidt of Google, right? Uh, and that was in January, two, uh, excuse me, June 2016. He published a, a, a Forbes article with it was co-authored with Sebastian Throne, and it pissed me off. Really? Oh my God! Okay, what what about <laughs> it? What what was so? Um, what did it say? What was so infuriating about it? You know, I have to tell you something. Even to this day, when I think about it, I get I get annoyed. Oh, I have some. 
<laughs> I mean, a lot of times it's either emails or, or work comments, yes. but not uh, not articles. I but, thought, well, <laughs> but, well, that's uh, well, there are some, but well, oh, yeah, anyway. exactly. <laughs> but but something that's that long lasting, and yeah. it was so. So the article was basically. They, you know, I'm putting it on the show notes page now, so we're just giving him more. More. But, so, well, that's okay, though. We have to, yeah, we have to debunk it. If it's well, who knows? I don't know what it is yet. You got to tell me. Oh, Maybe I, would, I agree with it. For all you know, I'm, okay. So I would love to know your thoughts on this. You <laughs> okay, have to tell me. It. Okay, so here's the deal. So, so here I'm minding my business. I think it was like June 2016, yeah. and the article was basically Eric Schmidt and Sebastian Thrawn saying in response. Wait, who's Sebastian Thrawn? Again? He's the founder of uh, I say Udemy. I think he's the co-founder Udemy. of founder of Udemy. Oh, and, that's what and I also, call it. I, yeah, but also right. Khan Academy. Okay, Khan Academy. Okay, so, sorry, so I mean, he's a brilliant man, you know. Yeah. I, I, you know, and no um, one's doubting the intelligence of these people. Exactly, so. exactly. Okay. And and I do give respect for what anyone can accomplish that's of that magnitude. So, the, basically, the article was in response to the sort of what I think they perceive to be the un, uh, unreasonable reaction to AI that Elon Musk and the late Stephen Hawking and people of that ilk were, were saying, which was that, oh my God, you know, it's, it's you know, the robots are going to come eat us and kill us and we have to really worry about <laughs> they this. Eat us. We taste delicious. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the whole article was basically them saying, but, it, but the tone of it was very, to me, arrogant because in the entire article they were like, well, look, Stop this nonsense with questioning what AI is and what we're going to do with it. Of course, it's going to be amazing. I mean, they are, for all intents and purposes, tech utopianists, right? So their whole position throughout that article was, this is going to be great. AI is going to free us. It's going to make humanity, you know, it's going to enable us to do incredible things. And you guys are basically being silly. So that was the tone of it. Okay. I felt when I read it. Um, and it, and it, it enraged me. And the thing about it that, that annoyed me the most was that it, it, they dared, they, they basically were saying, how dare you question us? Right. Um, just let us do what we need to do and it's going to be great. So anyway, I felt like, well, that may be the case. Maybe it will be great. And, and I hope for our sake that uh, AI does create the world that you think we're going to be creating. However, it's going to take a lot of pain to get to that point. And there's going to be a lot of people who aren't going to be able to make that transition and who are going to have to sacrifice and a lot of people always fall through the cracks through transitions like this. So we should be having these conversations, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so let's just try to think like on the other side, mm. if there's any way I could play devil's advocate, because sure. it sounds like, you, well, it sounds like you might agree. Like, aren't there people, like sometimes I see these warnings about AI that just seem like way over the top. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. So like, uh, like the idea that somebody's going to flick a switch one day and it's just going to be like Terminator. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't see it. And Me neither. I, I, yeah, but, no, balance, so, though. Right. right. But I do ha- take issue, and I don't know if, the, if, if it's the same issue when, when Google and Facebook are saying, and I think, I think what you're saying is Google, sorry, I say Facebook too. Maybe you put them in the same category. I just, I, I criticize them so bad on this right. podcast. It's okay. But, <laughs> and Facebook is the other part of this, so we'll yeah, get to yeah. that. Out. No, is 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 when they say, okay, everything that we're doing is exactly. is wonderful. Exactly. Um, and and what do you remember exactly what it was that was that 
that was his like lead headline on what they were doing to because I mean well, I, well literally yeah. the title was that's what I mean the title was in itself arrogant it was let us get, stop this foolishness and let us get on with the busy work of AI that was something like the title they're getting on with it they're getting whether <laughs> someone well I'll tell you the funny thing about this the funny thing about that yeah. is that since then I was so enraged with that I was I don't know why I was mm. angry because it, it pushed aside the idea first of all it pushed aside the ordinary person who would be you know, it's like you're you're a billionaire. That's what I call him, a billionaire. Yeah. And uh, if there is negative fallout to this, and there, and there undoubtedly will be, that's in any transition. And you know, that's just a historical fact. You're going to be okay. You're just sitting on your millions. You got your little bunkers everywhere in the sure. world. You can go. But the ordinary person is going to have trouble transitioning, and we have to prepare for that. We have to help them with that. So anyway, fast forward two years, he now says Eric Schmidt. I read an interview with him a few months ago where he is now beginning to say, we have to be responsible about how we implement these technologies. And you know, <laughs> we have to create, you know, you know, um, sort of programs for people who, who are going to be able to transit. I mean, now he's changing his tune, mm-hmm. right? But, of course, since then, a lot has happened with the big tech companies, and they've had to change their tunes. Yeah. So the second thing that happened that year, and this is the big thing, was with Mark Zuckerberg. So you, do you remember when he made that comment about his platform not having anything to do with the Russian interference? Um, I He made a lot of comments that I've sifted through. That's probably right. one of them. Well, this was the but, big one that he yeah. made. when they he, David Kirkpatrick, who is the founder of Techonomy, asked him on stage, uh, you know, did, you know, was Facebook responsible for, you know, Russian interference in the elections through, through, through the Facebook platform. And Mark Zuckerberg was like, no, there's no way, there's no way. And he... How does he know what people are doing? Well, this is... Know, yeah. He doesn't read the billions of posts going back and forth. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I mean they, won't pu- they won't publish half of my ads, so... <laughs> I, I don't know. Really? What are you publishing? Anything that has to do with Bitcoin or blockchain. Oh, that ha- that's, happened know, right? that's happened to me. That's happened to me. And then too. I get, like, the worst kind of, like propaganda ads coming into my eyeballs I every do. day and they won't publish a simple ad where I'm trying to inform the public it, it's infuriating it, it is I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that I'm with you on that well I was sitting in front of Mark Zuckerberg when he said that in person oh, really? um, 10 feet in front of him at the conference and this okay. was this was two days after Trump was elected um, president after he won the election and so anyway I, I noticed how he being that close you can see a person's expression very well and and, and I I remember looking at him going, this guy really believes that there's no way that his platform could cause any kind of harm to this degree. Like, he was disgusted. The look was disgusted. Especially on his face. when they sell ads to politicians. To, <laughs> like, it works, right? <laughs> right. So how could it not? They, so, I mean, how they, they, not? They, they sell ads to get everyone out to vote. Exactly. I mean, I, you know, they could, they could theoretically only put out a get-out-to-vote notice to the people they want to see that. Right, You know, which right. is also, I'm sure they're not. Eh, maybe eh. someone is. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. So you can see how that, sitting there, I was pretty disgusted by that because I'm like, yeah. come on, dude. So that was sort of the impetus for it, and it was like, you know what? We need to uh, create a platform and a space for people to, number one, learn about these technologies because I know these companies are not going to invest right now in educating the public, and I feel that they should, personally. Hmm. I felt very yeah. strongly that they should. And the second thing is that, so I think a lot of people missed 2.0. They missed the mobile movement. They missed yeah. the original web movement. I know I right? did. I, did I mean, I, I missed in a way. You I didn't, didn't make money off I of it. Right. I, well, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm focusing a lot on, like, emerging technology over the last eight years, because I right. totally missed, um, I was, 
I was in a situation where I was so close, you know, <laughs> to both of those things. That's even worse than just like missing it all together. Yeah, but like, it gives me hope that yeah. I can. Yeah. But you can see how this next yeah. era, this next phase of technologies that, that's being powered by AI, um, that I believe there's a, a window of opportunity here that is, right now it's wide open because no one knows what the hell is going on, including the tech companies. I mean, they, they're creating these technologies. They don't really know yeah. what's happening with them and how to implement them smartly and everything. And so there's a big opportunity for people to participate in this and get a piece of the pie and, and really own some of this and define it as opposed to the last era of web 2.0 where it was defined for them and they just fell in lockstep right so how how do you do that you you do that a variety of ways in mm -hmm. your organization yeah oh that's great so so the first thing that we do uh, so a couple of things events was my thing right? right because that's what i do and I, I do them in my sleep right so i thought well first of all i, I love the idea of us learning of us coming together in, in a social environment. And the question became, how do you get people to learn about technologies that are so exotic to everyone? I mean, in 2017, January, no one was talking about AI chatbots and, and blockchain yeah. and everything. That didn't explode until later in the year, remember? I mean- Well, 2016, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, well, I was involved in chatbots because of Mars. Yeah, bots, but you're, so. a you're a techie person. I'm, yeah, I'm telling I'm you, this, in okay. terms of it, right? And in New was, York- Maybe it was like an echo from, like the previous year it was with the, uh, you know, with the, the, like Foursquare put out a chatbot and all, all the VCs were interested in chatbots. And then the year after, right. there's an echo. Right. But like in January, so so chatbots was the first event that we did. Okay. It was on chatbots and it's great yeah, that you mentioned that. was it. very topical. In January 2017, I figured, well, if I'm going to launch, I'm going to do it on chatbots because I think that's something that the general public, and that's what Tech 2025 is for. It's the general public, meaning any and everyone can come in and have a conversation about these technologies that is 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 open is, is accessible to everyone in other words most tech events in new york city you talk about ai you talk about whatever the technology is it's full of technologists right oh yeah and it's very hard and for sometimes it. it's great and sometimes it even I'm just, sometimes it's, it's like, too high level and yeah or some people trying to show how they're smarter than everyone else <laughs> exactly and that's I've what seen i didn't want every once in a while <laughs> exactly and that's what i didn't want and i didn't want people i feel like so the, the challenge that we have i think as a society as a whole is how do you you can't you can't get people to participate and to benefit from this stuff until they understand really what it is yeah. um, and not just understand what it is now but if they can they need to understand how to learn about it as we are developing it because it's changing like every three months is it's just whatever you learned six months ago it's done and now it's you know and so and to get them engaged and to stay engaged so one of the things that i figured was well look let's do events where number one we're not telling people to come in and sit in a chair and look straight ahead and devour information and then leave 90 percent of events that i go to 90 percent yeah. don't you hate those though I mean, sometimes, you don't hate them. Sometimes no, they're good. Sometimes, sometimes they're, they're good. good. I've even been the guy speaking at several of them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, I try to make it as interesting as possible. Me too. But yes, yes, 90% of events are like that. But I've, I've been to one of your events. Uh, we could talk about that one in particular. That was a blockchain event. Yeah. But man, you had people getting up, talking, <laughs> giving their... And usually the only people who ask questions are the people who like really want to. But it it's almost seemed like it was ma maybe not mandatory, but, yeah. but kind of like, yeah, you're supposed to get up and talk here. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you don't, you're sort of, you know, you're sort yeah, of you're slinking back a little bit. Right, you know? right. Whereas it's the opposite. It's more like other events, I'm like, I have a question. Should I ask it? I don't Should know. I go, yeah. The question's over. Yeah, question's, question's over. You know, yeah. And that's a big thing. Okay, so you just named, I'm so glad you said that because that is crucial. And when it comes to, so in these events, people at the end where there's the Q&A section, you know, you always get 
the five people who raise their hands and they they kind of dominate the the Q and A or they ask questions that are long winded sure. or you know it doesn't really touch on the stuff that people want to know and then you get the people who who are quiet. They, maybe they're introverted, maybe they're shy, and they might have great questions, but they don't ask them because, you know, they're shy and they don't want to. Yeah. So the, the one of the main things that I wanted to do with Tech 2025 was when people come into in our events, the goal is to not just get the information. The goal is to get the information and to think about it together and then to give, create a space where people can feel comfortable, no matter what their background is or their personality type, they can feel comfortable talking about this stuff because it doesn't get processed in our minds the way it should be if we don't ask the questions we need to ask and talk about it and allow ourselves to be challenged on that. Mm. So what you went through with the blockchain one, which is what we do, those think tanks, is when I say break up into groups, I tell people, I don't care who you go into a group with. It's let's just find five other people you can stand for the next hour. And here's the problem. Those self-governing groups, when five people come together and they're given a problem and told, you just got you got to solve this and you got to do it now in, in like 20 minutes. It's amazing how that group of people will find a way to allow everyone to have a voice. And I've been told by people who are really shy, they come in and they're like, I can't believe I was, you know, I, I was able to say something and, and they heard my opinion and I didn't even think that I felt the way that I did until I, I started talking about it. That's what we need when you want to talk about what we, how we're going to develop AI and implement it smartly and fairly and equitably, we've got to make sure that we can help people who don't usually have a voice at the table to not only have a voice, but to understand that it's a voice that's needed, right? Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like it works great. Can I ask, because I've been to some meetups where you know people ask questions, I've been to panels. Mm-hmm. So one problem that you have is sometimes someone comes in and you know, it's open to the general public. Right. So sometimes you have someone <laughs> you don't who kinda, know what you they kind of hijack things. Yeah. They kind of talk for a while. They're maybe not making a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a problem. Like, I've I've been on a panel where someone get, gets up on a soapbox. And I'm like looking around the other panelists like, right. is someone going to stop this guy? Right. Like, do you ever have that problem at your events? Or? I have literally, that's a great question because I hate that. Yeah. Everybody does, right? Everybody yeah. does. So two things. I think it starts with, and most people don't know this about our events, but it starts with the, how you uh, speak to your speaker, the speaker of the events. We usually only have one speaker, and I do that for a reason. And when I invite my speakers in, I make it clear to them. So the goal of, of our events, of our think tanks, is not just that people come in and learn, but that the speakers learn too, right? So yeah. I am mindful of the fact that my responsibility is not just to the audience and giving them something that they can think about and walk away with, but that the speaker has to do the same. So we all get to challenge each other here. And one of the things that, that sort of mitigates that type of thing is that when people – I don't let people ask questions. It sounds crazy, but I don't let people – I don't do Q&As at my events. We didn't do a Q&A then. Okay. You remember that? We did not do a Q&A. I don't remember because we were talking so much, I almost, in my mind, it's like as if we did a Q&A. See, you are brilliant, and that is why I don't do Q&As. I substitute that experience of talking so much with each other. And I mean, once you tell, so here's what I've learned. Uh, it's almost like a cultural assumption now. You go into a, not now, it probably was for a long time. You go yeah. into a talk, you hear the person talk, then you do a Q&A. And they say there's no more time for Q and A. Yeah, like and it's, it's every single time. And you and th- doesn't everybody feel cheated? Like you feel like, oh, God, God, dude, come on. You know. And I usually spend the entire Q and A thinking of a question that I never asked. That you never. Okay. <laughs> you, I love the way you think because that is yeah. exactly what it feels like, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world. And I said, no, we have to change that. We have to turn that on its head. Okay. And the way that I figured out, at least 
as far as I see it works for us, is that um, the assumption is that people understand how to ask questions about these topics. And I'm telling you that they don't. We don't. Okay. Because these topics are so exotic, they're new, and they are intimidating. All right. And even if you get the developers that are technologists and like 35 percent of our community are like engineers and coders and everything, they may not even necessarily understand how to ask the questions that they are trying to ask that and, and phrasing them in a way that everyone can understand them. Right. So I, I did away with the assumption that people, number one, know what they want to ask or that if they do know what to ask, that they know how to ask it constructively right and so I said then we're going to get rid of questions and what I did instead was give them a problem to solve if you give them a narrative people people think critic far better critically if you give them a narrative with a problem then they begin to ask the questions within the confines of that narrative and then they feel comfortable with challenging each other on their assumptions and on their questions and answers so believe it or not by the time the night is over each group actually presents their solution to the speaker, right? It's right. just like, here's my, here's our solution. And, and sometimes the quietest person in the group will get up and take the mic and say, this is what we came up with, and da-da-da. And usually the quiet person a lot of times has, like, the best idea. It's really funny. Um, and so they'll get up and say something, and then by the end, they actually don't have any questions to ask or those questions that they thought that they had, um, they were able to talk out. And I think that's more substantive. Yeah. Yeah, can you give an example? Maybe was there any particular event that sticks out in your mind where it went a very different way than you thought or you learned something people had way different opinions than you you thought I see I, I can tell there are several but uh, yeah. we can talk about a few well first do you have some vodka do you have a drink <laughs> Uh, there's beer on tap. There's beer on tap. Okay. Uh, there's an event down there. Though. I can't. I, I, <laughs> I'm going down. I, go down. I, I already went down there and asked them for a cord, and they're like, "There's a, this is a work event. What are you <laughs> messing with us for?" Oh, well. <laughs> you know, it's a learning process. It's a very yeah. much, very much a learning process for me. And and there are two events that so so what no one is talking about, at least I don't hear them talking about it, is the fact that people are changing how they're thinking about technologies very quickly. Um, it's it's. You know, the assumption is that, that that the consumer and that the general public is just kind of like like coming along and that these technologies are going to be dropped on them and that they're going to be like, okay, this is great. Let's try this. Now, that may have been the case, you know, for Web 2.0. That may have been the case for mobile because, you know, you swipe and this is a real simple device to use. But I think for AI, machine learning, blockchain, these technologies, that's actually not going to happen. And what we're hearing and what we started seeing last year it's been two years now, so we've done over 50 events here and including in Toronto, uh, is that when it, it, in January 2017, people were very innocent about it and very kind of just curious. You know, they come in and they're very positive and open. They're still positive. But t- in December of 2017, excuse me, dis- in December 2017, something very different happened. And there were two events that blew, three events that blew us away really? That with regards to, and I'll only mention two, but... It blew us away in the sense that we really began to see the attitudes of people seriously doing a 180. Like, in other words, we began to see a cynicism in the audience and in the questions and in the way that they were talking that wasn't there before. Now, it kind of makes sense because you got to imagine in 12 months they had seen a lot of scandals with the big tech companies. This was a year of dealing with politics that was really exhausting, right? <laughs> right? I mean, and they come in with all of that. Yeah. I've been asking, well... Not to bring it back to Facebook, but I've been asking this question of people. Name a feature Facebook's put out in the last five years that's made your life better. 
<gasps> and people have a hard time with that answer. Really? Because, well, because I remember 10 years ago, Facebook, Google, all these companies where every few months you're like, wow, yeah. you know, I can tag my photos or yeah. wow, like autocomplete or whatever. And now it's just like, yeah, they're saying we don't do this anymore. They're like taking away features. That's a and, good point. And, and it does, I think it is making people cynical. No, it is. And, and, it is. And it's our, and I see this here a little bit too. I, I feel like our business models are, you know, have all veered towards um, um, advertising. And right. so the, the, you know, big data, a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of applications to big data, but it's all towards targeted advertising. Absolutely. There's some good things about that, but it's sort of, it took the focus on building great products for people away. Like Absolutely. Focus away from business. So, and Absolutely. I think that's really been coming to a head over the last couple years. I think so. so. I, I agree with you with that. And and I have to tell you the two events in December that kind of blew us away because we were averaging about three events per month the first year. Okay. Um, we went hard because I said, I want to know, you know, I kind of have to define what people are, try to figure out what people are thinking and, and what they want. So we did a lot of events. But one event was the um, Ohio Tech Challenge. And we did that in collaboration with the Ohio Tech um Basically, the Ohio government uh, had this challenge, and it was basically open to anyone in the world. And the the challenge was create technology, whether it be you know whatever it is, AI, blockchain, we don't care. Just create technology that could help us in the battle against opioid addiction, right? Um, and that I thought was really compelling. And I said, okay. And it was a great big you know prize. And I said, we'll bring that here. And so they loved that. We actually got on the phone with them, and and um, they came out, and we had a great event. But here's the thing. At the event, which was full of people who were, it was a mixed crowd, but a lot of the people at the event um, were people who were very close to that subject. They were drug treatment center employees and, and people who had been you know, working into some capacity with regards to opioid addiction. And so we had Dr. James Fan stand up and talk about the potential for using machine learning and helping us in AI and helping us to help people addicted to, you know, to opioids and to help them understand what their addiction is and to be able to temper them, you know. Right. Okay, so the audience hated that. Really? And the funny thing is, and this this made us go, what the hell is going on here? Oh, what? Yeah. No, okay. Right. Yeah, because it, it shocked me. So, so, so this particular audience wasn't really our normal, usual audience because, like I said, when we do events, anytime I do events because I'm an event marketer, I don't rely on just marketing to our community. So if I do an event about opioid addiction um, and technology, yes, I'm going to go to our usual, you know, Tech 2025 crowd and in the you know, business audience, but I'm also going to go to first responders. We invited police departments, first responders, doctors, we, you know, all of the stakeholders. I, I said, come out here, participate, learn something, to, you know. Well, when Dr. James Fan came and I asked him to come, now he is the co-creator of IBM Watson's Q&A, the one that beat, the, that one on Jeopardy. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, 15 oh, years what ago. Are, what are those guys' names? Uh, I forget. Um, I forget. It's a long time Ken ago. Ken Jennings. Was it Ken Jennings? Was was yeah the the Jeopardy, ma- Grandmaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they call it Grandmaster. <laughs> I think it did. And then there was one other guy up there. But I I th- was that ten years. That wasn't ten years ago, was no, it? No, it's fifteen it was years ago. No, no, Dude. no, no. Because I remember I, I, think I remember it was. working at Foursquare. 
Maybe. What? Maybe I, I was think in grad it was. school. Uh-huh. I don't know. Come on now. Okay. That wasn't 15 years ago. It wasn't? Okay. More like eight or seven. Oh, okay. So, okay. I, I will look it up. <laughs> yeah, we should place a bet on it. Because I thought James was the one who told me it was 15 years. I could be wrong. Oh, yeah. I could be wrong. But he gladly came, and, and my thing with him was, James, could you just talk to them really briefly, because we didn't have a lot of time, about some of the what machine learning and AI is, and sort of don't make it a high-level talk. He knows that, because he's spoken for us before. And uh, just try to kind of help people to understand what the future is um, with regards to machine learning, AI, and these technologies, and helping us to understand how to deal with this this epidemic. The more he talked, the angrier they got. Really? And what I found was that people were so angry, they were standing up and they were like practically yelling whenever he was, was at, the more he talked, the more they kept saying, no, robots can't tell us what we feel and what we should do. And it was shocking. Yeah. It was shocking to me. And I looked at my, my media coordinator, uh, Rebecca, who you, everybody knows Rebecca. She's amazing. Uh, and we were just like, what the hell, what's going on? Like, where's this anger yeah. coming from? But they were angry. And so I said, okay. And I kept giving James a look because he's talking happily on the mic. I should tell you something. Dr. James Fan is has an unbelievable amount of enthusiasm when he is teaching about AI. He loves it, and he, it comes through. And so he's happy. He's on the mic, and, and he's not registering that they are there's this backlash. And so I ended up taking the mic from him, <laughs> pushing him off stage, yeah. <laughs> jokingly. You know, I was like, okay, thank you very much for coming. And I instead asked people. That was the first event where we had such a strong negative emotional response to AI and, and the, even the potential of the technology, which is all he was talking about. Yeah. And so instead of allowing them to continue to make comments, I told them, okay, save that. It's time to break out into groups. Here's the questions for you guys. And, they, and that helped them a lot. They talked through it, but they were still very concerned about the technology. And that it's weird. What were people concerned about? What were they primarily? Yeah. Um, because we did record it. I, I, I'm not publishing that because it wasn't for publication. But yeah, well, why do you think people got so angry? I think that so two things. Um, this was in December of 2017. So this was. There's always more at play when people say that they're angry about the the potential of technology to limit them or their lives in some way. There's always more going on than just the technology, right? So there's something that's fueling that, that fear that's beyond the technology and deeper than it. So I think a lot of that had to do with the politics of what was happening at that time. And I happen to think that the more powerless people feel, or the less powerful people feel, I should say, um, the more that they project that powerlessness onto the things that might actually empower them more, <laughs> which is right. right. Um, so I think, the, I can tell you for sure that the big thing they hated was the idea that an algorithm can tell them how they are thinking or what they are really feeling or give them options outside of what they think they should do. It's best, it's a control thing. It's all a control thing. So they feel like they're losing control if you have a device, even if we, if, if we're the product developers, we build it as a recommendation engine, right. not a um, not a controlling engine, but it's being perceived as a controlling engine. Yeah, and it's also, I think, and, and look, I could be wrong, but I think from my perspective, what I saw was that this event was about the idea of helping people who are addicted to opioids and the, and the stakeholders who are in the battle to figure out how to help them. And people see that as a distinctly human transaction. Like, 
like this person is addicted to drugs. There should be a limited amount of technology involved. You cannot, um, the, the caring part of this where we tell another person how they should think and feel and what's going on, that is a very human thing. And it's almost an affront to our humanity that you think that you know AI or machine learning or whatever or an algorithm yeah, can replace Yeah, like reduces that. to an algorithm. People exactly. don't want to believe that they can be reduced to the algorithm, and they can't. But that's yeah, not what's but happening. Help them, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's not what's happening. So that was huge. That was the first one, and the other one was, um, and that shocked even Dr. James Fan. We had a great yeah. conversation about that. And then the other thing, this was even more shocking, was we did a blockchain event, and it was our first blockchain event. Yeah. So not the one I went to. No, that was the second one. Right. I was very careful about introducing blockchain to our yeah. audience and cryptocurrency. We actually didn't introduce crypto events at all. Yeah. I, I wouldn't touch that because, again, people have their preconceived notions. They're very afraid of it, and I just want to make sure I'm, I'm introducing it in a way that is not going to add to their confusion, but that will help them to think about it in a more constructive way. So with the blockchain thing, I thought to myself, okay, let's do an event. Have you heard of civil media? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so civil media is the um, blockchain journalism platform, so it's like it's it's a it's a platform for news media um, using blockchain to yeah power. so I, I never I, I mean I feel like I understand blockchain pretty well but I never know how these things are gonna work like what how what's the application of blockchain to um, journalism right okay so I love and I love was that, that the, said, was that the <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's the thing. You are. You, I love the way you say the way you phrase things because that's exactly the problem, right? Um, yeah. Even the people who are in it, and I'm in. I, when I say I'm in blockchain, I mean I, you know I'm a part of a lot of the conversations that are happening. I get asked to speak on it, but I, I'm not an expert in it. And even the experts in it will tell you that it is very much in its infancy, right? We, it's not regulated yet. I mean, we're still str- even trying to struggle to understand but however um as opposed to cryptocurrency let's just look at the blockchain the potential right. to help so i if for, for those of you who are i i have a, i it helps me to think of blockchain as a a database that kind of lives in the ether <laughs> that is unchangeable <laughs> cryptographically unchangeable which means that there's a lot of security on it and no one owns it so just for those of you who aren't um for those of you who want a way to think about what we're about to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can feel, even though this isn't out yet, this isn't live, I could feel people are starting to panic. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? That's a great point. And you you yeah. can say trigger words like that, like blockchain yeah. and cryptocurrency, and you can literally see the, the people's eyes, like, you know, yeah. their eyeballs begin to... <laughs> it's, it's hard enough to explain Bitcoin, and then within like a year, you had to explain a hundred different other things going on. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I needed 10 years just to explain that one. Well, how about this? We were going to do an event yeah. in September but, yeah. on cryptocurrency, on how to teach cryptocurrency to your kids, right? Yeah. That was the, the essence of it. Um, and the, the, Crypto t- for toddlers. Right. Well, he, the title was, <laughs> the title was how to teach cryptocurrency and blockchain to your kids when you barely understand it yourself. Right. Right. Um, because people don't understand it, but they still have to begin to talk to to their kids about this stuff. Right. And it's really intimidating. No one wants to look like a dope when they're yeah. talking about this stuff, especially to your kids, right? Yeah. I mean, so it is what it, what it is. So with this block... They probably know more. You probably, like, start talking to them and they're like, but what if it's a multi-sig transaction? <laughs> like, like, oh, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm sorry. Out of here. Well, that's why I didn't have kids. So, so. Well, so, yeah, so, go ahead. 
That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, so the think tank that we did in this was actually two weeks after we did the opioid one. Yeah. Was it was called using blockchain journalism to reinvent hyperlocal news into a community-driven, profitable business, and that was with Daniel Seberg. I say Seberg. I think it's Seberg okay. um, from Civil Media. Now, Daniel was the co-founder of the. Oh, I think he was the founder of the Google News Lab. Google Media News Lab. And so he had been with them for, I think, 10 years, like a long time, sort of traveling the world and building that that part of Google for them and everything. And so when it first, when I, when I saw that they were doing this, it came on the heels of that billionaire, um, what was his name? Uh, the billionaire who actually pulled all of the hyperlocal news sites from publication. He basically shut down his entire media empire. Oh, I don't... No, I'll have, ring a bell. Well, yeah. I'll have the name for you in a second because he, he, this, is, this was the impetus for the events because we try to make sure that when we talk about these technologies, we do them within the, the confines of a narrative that's, number one, realistic, right? Something that's happening now and something that ordinary people can just get. It's easy. So the, it was um, the, Joe Ricketts. Okay. So he's I like, heard that name. yeah, no, he's yeah. he's a billionaire and he's a basically a billionaire who he ran like DNA Info. Remember DNA Info sure. and like yeah. a lot of the hyper local news sites across the country. So his journalists, they 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 unionized, and he said to them, if you use if you unionize, it's a wrap. I'm not dealing with unions. This is you know, and they did anyway, and they they, in that same day, he shut down all of the publications across the country. So it was kind of shocking, right? Like, this was like, I mean, which... Never heard of this. Yeah, it was a big... Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, it was I'm a like, big how, thing. Yeah, no, how right? How did I miss this? <laughs> yeah, it was a big thing. And, and the thing is, is that yeah. I, I got into a couple of... You know, I had a conversation with someone who... We talked about this, and I thought what Civil is doing at that time, they had not launched yet. Civil didn't launch until June of 2018. Or actually, May, I think. Okay. Of 2018. And we got them in December of 2017. Right. Daniel Cyberg had just come on board and they had just raised several million dollars. I think they had, had like, at that point, I think they had like three million, if that much, in funding. And so I thought, well, they want to tackle hyper local news using blockchain. And I thought maybe that's a great way to have a conversation with the general public that, because everybody, you know, the public reads these hyper-local news sites, and especially in New York City. Right, right. right? In Brooklyn, and, uh, hyper-local news has been big. I mean, I was doing some projects in that. Back really? In like 2006, 2007. What yeah. do you mean by projects? Well, it sounds uh, I talk about Sticky Map on the show a lot. I'll tell you about it after the show because I don't want to get into it. Is it legal? Know. Oh, yes. It was not. Uh, yeah. It's it's still up, but it's still up. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I have to find it. Yeah. Okay. So you can appreciate, especially in New York City, how that hyperlocal thing. So I invited them to come speak, and I knew that they did not yet really. They had, I don't think they had even presented anywhere before. So we were like one of the first places that they even presented. Okay. Test point. Test point. Yeah. And my first, the first thing I said to them was, "You are my first blockchain event." And this audience is a, a definitely a diverse audience. You're going to get blockchain people in there. We're going to have journalists in there. You know, it's a mix. You cannot make this talk high level. So let me. I work a lot with our speakers because the people who are coming who are coming in here are used to giving high level talks, and they for the first time have to give a talk that not only um, software engineers or coders can can you know be interested in, but that a 75 year old who comes in from God knows where it says, hey, I want to participate. <laughs> that happens. Yeah. We get a lot of baby boomers who yeah. come in, and they, that's great. Yeah. So anyway, I said to Daniel, look, Daniel, um, that you, let's let's keep this within the narrative of this hyperlocal news thing and pretend that 
your publication, what you're doing, your platform is a solution to that so that they can then begin to see how, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that was yeah. the thing. Anyway, he, he, he showed me the presentation. I thought it was still too high level, but I thought, okay, he did a great job presenting it, but yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, and he was so thoughtful in doing it, and he told them flat out, which I loved, look, I'm just learning this myself, so I'm here to learn from you. Well, they gave him the feedback, and it was shockingly negative. Wow. Shockingly negative. Like, I'm it, surprised that people are comfortable doing that in a like in, in that kind of a setting. Okay, that's a fair point. And and I will tell you, I don't think that they necessarily would be, but I think it's because I prime the audience. Like the the thing that I say at every event is number one, you know more than you think you do. So stop believing when they tell you that you don't know anything and that you can't figure this stuff out stop stop believing that it's a lie uh you've been walking around with a, a, a computer in your pocket for at least eight years now so yeah. you intuitively understand ai and this stuff more than you think you do um and not only that they need you they need your solutions they cannot do this without you for the first time ever with regards to technologies these companies cannot bulldoze their way through us anymore that's just not a an option um so let your so so say what you need to say, and then I tell them that a lot of times what they say to us in here actually does get back to because you know, it has I, I yeah. you know my connects in tech I, we talk and the, and the speakers who come in a lot of times they will take what what our audience says and they will take it back to their their teams and go wow oh sure get, you know yeah. so I think people feel it's important to make people feel comfortable and like they can say what they want to say. So this room did that, and this room was diverse. There were blockchain people, there were journalists, hyperlocal journalists of some of the, the publications that you probably know. And we were shocked at how they were just very, very vocal about the fact that they didn't get it, they didn't see the need for it, and they felt like the token was unnecessary and complicated. And mm. and whereas with your blockchain group, remember how active and hyper it was and everybody was yeah. just like all over the place yeah. and talking, talking. And that was the one with Clyde Vanell. That was the Clyde. I should mention uh, yeah. linked to episode 29. Hey, and <laughs> and he just won again. He's back in the oh, Senate. Oh, he did? Yes, okay. he did. Congratulations, yes. Clyde. Yeah, so they, these guys were very visibly sort of disturbed by what they saw in this presentation. And it, it shook us. <laughs> it shook me because my, and my assistants because we were like, what? Now, we know blockchain is, can, can be confusing and everything, yeah. but there was something really disturbed. They felt it was disturbing Well, I can imagine, like, and I don't know what, what, the, what the situation is, but I imagine if it was something like, oh, I write a good article and then I get tipped and yeah. then there's money, but then it's like, do you need a token for that? I don't know. What, what, yeah. How, what, what, well, what the, the, the token are? thing, well, it's yeah. very good because some of the feedback that came in was like the token thing, they just really hated that. And, and and two things. I have to say, I did sort of, sometimes I stirred a pot. How many people have been know what a token is? This is my point. <laughs> and this is supposed to be the value of the money, right? So so that's a huge thing. I was I was listening to uh, Andreas Antonopoulos the other day oh, explain really? the difference between a, a cryptocurrency and a token. And he said, Did you well, get it? Yeah. He said, well, a cryptocurrency has its own blockchain, and a token is like a, um, like you could have a token on Ethereum. So it's like on a different block. It's like a, a byproduct of another blockchain but that's not the main currency of you understood that yeah i mean i understand it too but do you think that do you think like your aunt or uncle would understand that it's tough it's the first try to get i mean (laughs) dude like (laughs) if you can't even get the original how how does a blockchain work down right i mean eventually we're all going to get this without knowing all the 
I worry about that. All of the basics, but somehow I, I don't. I don't know how it's how people are gonna. Uh, well, you know what's it. funny. Like, people don't know how money works now, so. Well, you make a valid it, but, point because my yeah. media coordinator Rebecca, by the way, mentioning her again. Hey, Rebecca, um, she has been to every event. She has done worked at every event that we've done, with the exception of two. And that night was so shocking to, to both you know myself and my staff that we were just kind of like, what just happened? Wow, this is yeah. weird. At the end of the night. You know, we have this, this ritual where we walk to the train station together and we sort of debrief about what happened yeah. that night. And Rebecca said to me, you know, Charlie, this is the first event that we have done where I'm actually afraid for the future. And I said, wait, what? Like, come on. We've done events on everything and, and like, killer robots. This is, She said, yeah, there's something about that presentation that really makes me afraid and I don't know what it is so she went home and thought about it and um, she came back to me you know a few days later and she said she wouldn't mind me telling you this because she said this on our podcast too but she said okay I figured it out Um, I'm 20 she's in her 20s she's like 23 and she said her whole life everybody has been telling her parents the, the government everyone teachers that she should save money and that money is the value of what she does and who she is Right. And so she feels like she has she has a fair understanding of that system, even though it's a you know, she says, and now along comes this new system that's replacing what turns out to be money just turns out to be an idea. It's not even like a real thing. You know, this is her talking to me, by the way. She says, so now you have one idea being replaced by another idea that no one understands. But we, meaning millennials, are going to have to figure it out. Yeah. And. And no one has a clue what it is. And she said that scared the crap out of her. And it also, she said, sort of made her like, eh, this is, you know. So when I talk to, you know, she doesn't represent all millennials, of course. I'm not saying she does. But when I I talk to people who are coming up, and I do, I talk to a fair amount of, like, young people because I want to get their feedback. It really concerns me that they are so concerned, too, because I hear that from a a lot of them. I mean, I I go to lunch, and a lot of them will come up to me at our event and say, can I talk to you? Can I, you know, I want to get your feedback on something and I ask them about these technologies and, and they'll figure it out. Right. Let's be real. They will figure it out. <laughs> I don't doubt that. But they are concerned too. You know, so this event, so anyway, that event, after after that event, I sent this civil team, I sent them an email and I said, look, I, I, I hope you enjoyed the event. I hope you got a lot out of it. Here's why I think it went left and here's maybe how you can still yeah. benefit from that, take some of that feedback. What was the, like, was there a main... Um, was there a main theme to like the opposition to was the opposition to like the the concept of a token or what was the That's a great main... question. So the, so there was a couple of things. Definitely, the, the, I think unanimously there was an opposition to the idea of the token. There was also an and and not only what that token represented, but the underlying premise that they should have to pay for news that they are going to be see see the thing is that we have been fed a steady diet of free free media yeah you know and even though that's changing because sites are now like kind of switching over to subscription models and i think that's a good thing and i think that yeah and i think it might be a problem we have free not just free media we have free everything online and as it kind of shields i mean you know it shields the producers from the price system right there could be a number of problems with that. On sure. the other hand, um, on the other hand, it allows everybody to access it. But I, so I don't know what the answer is. But I, 
recognize it's a big problem. It's a big problem. And not only that, I, again, I have to play devil's advocate. So yeah. I stood up because I, um, I, as they call it, I, I stirred a pot. I yeah. said, well, guys, consider this. Consider the fact that the civil and platforms like civil is talking about um, getting rid of the middleman. Middle and that's one of the things that Daniel said that he felt proud about. Yeah. And I said, well, now, wait a minute now. <laughs> okay, because we know the middleman is the advertiser. You know, the advertiser. Um, think about what it means to get rid of the middleman. Uh, it, that middleman may be annoying, and it may have, obviously, advertisers cause us a lot of problems and everything, and it's a broken model. But if you get rid of the middleman, who's going to pay for the content? Who's going to get, like, like that middleman is not going to let you go that easily because you're their bread and butter. Right. So there's a, if that's the case, you have to condition yourself to understanding that that's going to create a battle that you may or may not benefit from, right? So that, I think, made people begin to think, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Like, what, what is this? And then this other guy raised his hand and said, I could actually game your system right now. Yeah. And, and Daniel was like, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I can, he was a developer. Well, I can, you know, get my own newsroom and do this. And he literally thought it out. In the, in the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Daniel so was people like, are always trying to think about it. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, we were looking at him. He was like, yeah, so I just basically gamed your whole platform. And I felt bad because I was like, wow. But that's what these these events are for. You challenge the speaker on what they're talking about so we can yeah. all learn. And Daniel, to his credit, was great. I mean, he was open. He listened. He, he yeah. I could tell he was a little, probably a little agitated, as anybody would be, because it's yeah. like, what is going on here? Um, well, it's interesting, because I've been to some events, and it's usually like, you know, you don't challenge the speaker. Mm. Uh, and then, and that's a problem because then you don't get any feedback. Yeah, right. uh, and then I feel like if I ever am challenged, it'll be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it'll, I it'll be tough to, to deal with. I, I think I'm going to come to your event just to heckle you, just to heckle you. Yeah. But you know, the, and that's I actually warn I warn all my speakers ahead of time. I say, look, you might be challenged. If yeah. so, I, I'm there. I've got your back. I'll give you a hug. Don't worry. Yeah. Like you'll be okay. So after the event, I emailed the, the team and I said, guys, you know, if you if you want any more feedback, like here's what I thought happened. I would love to know what you think. Anyway, fast forward like nine months, and they had their token sale, and unfortunately, it didn't do well at all, and they had to like refund everything. Yeah. That's... But ironically, a lot of the feedback that they were getting from journalists and from people um, was similar to the feedback that we gave them in December. Mm. Interesting. Well, it underscores the yeah. point that the general public knows more than we think they do. Yeah, or whatever reaction they're going to have, um, you can guarantee other people are going to have that same reaction. Um, so, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, it's almost like uh, you're providing uh, user research, you know? That's but, exactly it. And actually, speaking of research, yeah, that's I mean, what that's what we, people around here, like, when we put out a new version of Swarm, we don't set, just say, like, yeah, this looks good. Like, you actually have people use it, and then, you're like, oh, God, they'll never find that button in a million years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. don't they surprise you when yeah. they do? People just surprise yeah. you with what they see. I've been I've been shocked by some of the stuff that I've heard. I've been yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. And there are things that I've learned about how I think about this stuff that I realize is very sometimes very narrow, too. I've had to learn, like, oh, my God, I'm being insensitive to certain people here that I thought, I mean, I pissed off truck drivers at one point, and I didn't need to do that. that. Was a, you had an episode on self-driving trucks. I yeah, thought I, was, I, I thought three. that was great because I learned so much from that episode. I didn't know anything about With that. This, was this the online one or the real the the one in, we did? Uh, one I don't remember. Was it, was, it was a podcast episode. Oh, it was a podcast. On, okay, on okay. Well, truck. we did three yeah. events on self-driving trucks, yeah. and and one of them I marketed on Facebook and and sent out. It was on 
uh, truck drivers being replaced, uh, the the truck driver shortage, truck and how the technology right. is driving that. So anyway, they we did an ad on on Facebook, and literally truck drivers from across the country started leaving posts underneath the ad, and they were angry. Oh yeah, that, but I mean, no, and I don't take that happens. It <laughs> happens, but here's the thing: that happens in Foursquare. We put our ads on Twitter to like get people to join Foursquare, and it's like pictures of us, and people like criticize the way we look. Yeah, but like. like a, like, like if it, if it's if it's a, if it's a man, they're like, oh, another white man attack. <laughs> and then if it's a woman, you get like the alt right guys being like, oh, oh they're God. just hiring women just to show their diversity. They probably they probably don't know what. And they're if doing. there's one black like, person, it's like, oh, there's a token black person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, I'm like, this is just us. This is just how it's we a look. Photo. This <laughs> is we all work here. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I I just have this theory. We're too good looking for them. We're too Sorry. good. That's what I tell, I tell my coworkers. But, but you, can I tell you something? That, that ad, it turned out, I, I think I was responsible for the negativity of that ad and that when I began to listen to all, I read all of the, you know, I feel like if people want to express themselves, as long as they're not cursing and being disrespectful, fine. Yeah. And I was learning a lot hearing because yeah. the truck drivers started tagging each other. That's how it, it went viral, wow. like in the comments. They were like tagging each other. I imagine they're a pretty tight-knit community. They are a tight-knit community. And so, and I've learned a lot about them. And so what happened was I had been reading it throughout the day and reading the comments. And they were making some, some of them were making really good substantive comments. Like, oh, really? You want to hire more truck drivers? This is what you do. This is what you do. Um, but one truck driver said one thing that literally made me go, oh, my God, that's it. After all of the rest of them had their back and forth, he said, well, if, if the, because the topic of the, the title of the event was, how can we get women and, and millennials to fill 250,000 truck driving jobs? Right or, or it was something like that. Okay. When the, when the current crop of drivers who are average age fifty five retire in ten years, like how are we going to get millennials and women, which is what we need in those jobs, to fill them? And so he said, "Well, if women are replacing us or driving the trucks, and the machines are driving the trucks, and the millennials are driving the trucks, what's going to happen to us men? What's going to happen to the men?" And it was an innocent question, and it was right. it's you kind of feel that they he was just really confused. Right. And I looked at the title of my event, and I realized how insensitive it was because it was pushing aside the drivers who are there now as if they already don't matter. I've experienced that too, where I created some like marketing copy or whatever, and then I uh, the next day I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have written it like that. Really? I'm not trying to think of a specific example. That's because I, I want to know can't think now. A specific example, but I, I I know I've been there before. Did you get backlash for it? Uh, nobody, nobody's, uh, my audience isn't that big yet for backlash, but uh, one day, if I start getting backlash, then I know I've uh, I've grown my audience to the size I want. Well, show me your ads. I'll give you yeah. backlash for free. I'll, I'll okay, backlash. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. I can give you backlash. Uh, good. <laughs> That's why I moved to Brooklyn, to get the kind of... The, the, okay. the, <laughs> that type of Brooklyn the, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but so it's it's been a... Quite a learning experience, but the, but yeah. again, it's positive. It's it's people. Yeah. I think are more engaged now. I'm seeing them wanting to do more. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've uh, we've exhausted our time. Uh, why don't we? T- uh, let's say if someone wants to learn more about this, where where would they where would they go? Okay. Well, the website is tech2025.com. Okay. That's t e c h two o two five dot com, and follow us anywhere in social media. It's yeah. join tech twenty twenty five. And the podcast. 
Oh, the podcast. Yes, yes, yes. I I listen to that. Do you? Yeah, and my co-host Aaron, who uh, people who listen to the show will be familiar, he listens to it too. Does he? So, yes, he does. Do you have constructive feedback for me? Um, I'll uh, I'll ask him. It's hard to get a hold of him. Oh, uh, I'm asking you. I, um, <gasps> no, it's great. I, you hesitated. <laughs> I, I mean, you I'm just, I'm trying to think. So many, too many people asked me for feedback recently, and I'm like, I don't. I just. I, I just listen to stuff that I like, so. No, well, I, I want your feedback, even if it's that. I'm, I want to get better. I do. But we, we're yeah. only three I mean, seasons I'm in the in. same boat here. <laughs> yeah, but you're crushing it. So I'm you're trying, crushing to, it. trying to improve this. Um, all right. Anything else you'd like to add about all this before we head out? No. I mean, I just, just check it out. Come out to the events. Uh, we'd love your feedback. Follow us on social. If you guys have ideas for um, some of the topics that we should be discussing at live events, um, we're doing one in a few weeks called uh, It's the Dark Side of Automation, uh, New York Cab Driver Suicides, Picketing um, Hospitality Workers, and the fear that we are not prepared in the service industries for the job displacement. So, you know, some of the topics are like heavy, but then we yeah. also do, you know. So I would love to get your feedback. Like, what do you think you would like to see at events that you're not seeing? Awesome. And people can people reach out to you with that? They sure can. I'm Charlie at tech2025.com. And in social media, on Twitter, I'm at It's Complicated. <laughs> All right. Great. Okay. Charlie Oliver, thanks for coming on the oh show. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm pretty much going to find you somewhere and heckle you. All right. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. That was great, wasn't it? Now, next week, if all goes as planned, I'm actually going to be speaking to a, an historian who specializes in, among other things, presidential elections. And we're going to talk about how changes in technology and really with the paradigm shifts and how we communicate radio, television, how that's changed American politics on the presidential level throughout the years. Now, just by speaking to a few people, I know that a lot of you out there are going to be just as fascinated by this topic as I am, which is a lot. So catch me next week on episode 41. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.